0: We are a speedboat. We are lean and small. We try to keep our overhead down as much as possible. So we have the ability to change things and make change. And as a creative person, that also makes me feel successful because I've been able to pivot and change and make progress in areas that I would have otherwise not had the ability to do. And that makes me feel fulfilled.
1: Welcome to Better Business Founder, the podcast for purpose-driven business founders seeking to build a meaningful business on their own terms. I'm Liki Tank, and I'm here with you today to find out how better business founders build strong businesses that deliver value to people and to the planet. Are you ready to create change with your business? If so, let's go. Today's episode is with Jennifer Myers Chua. Jennifer is the co-founder of Hip Mummies, a company that provides carefully curated wholesale merchandise for conscious Canadian retailers with products for happy and healthy families. Initially, the reason why I wanted to have this conversation was that I wanted to hear Jennifer talk about the role of her company in the import and distribution of brands in the Canadian market. I wanted to have this conversation so you could have a better understanding of the role of a wholesaler, how to find and select the brands, what are the requirements, you know, all the technical and specific stuff a brand would ask when you want to enter a new market, but as I was preparing for this conversation, I realized that Hip Mommies is doing so much more than importing goods and distributing them. Hip Mommies is a purposeful business based on values, and the reason for being is to support independent intentional innovators. This family-run business is Jennifer's way of creating the kind of change she wants to see in the world. She believes that business can be done better and that hip mummies can make a difference in the life of Canadian families and hopefully to the world as well. In this conversation, Jennifer will tell us the story behind How she reluctantly joined her husband in this transformation of the family business. What was her vision? Because she's a minimalist at heart. So being in the business of selling goods comes with some conditions. What were the challenges when they started taking action and actually implementing this new vision in the company? And if you run a brand or you are a product maker in the family or baby space, you will also learn the characteristics of the type of products that hip mommies is always looking for. Once again, I really enjoyed this conversation and I also learned a lot. So welcome Jennifer Myers Chua. Hi Jennifer, I'm very glad to have you here today. Hi, thank
0: you for having me. Yeah, so tell me, where are you talking from today? So I'm in Toronto, which is in Ontario, Canada. It's our largest city in Canada. It's very cold. (laughs) And I'm actually working from home today. So I'm in my home in Toronto. Right. Okay.
1: And I'm talking from Paris, which is um, the beginning of spring. So it's not that bad. Can you share with us what's the... What's the vision of the world for your children? Because you're mother. So what's the vision of the world that you have for your children when they'll grow up?
0: Yeah, so I'm very lucky. I have an adorable six-year-old girl who is the love of my life and the light of my life and a lot of the inspiration behind everything that I do. Sometimes I have a negative viewpoint because I get caught up in the things that I know maybe or that I understand about, especially products and product life cycle and whatnot. And then sometimes I'm very optimistic when I see that maybe the messaging that we have been working on so diligently is resonating. And because I work in kind of like the parent space and I do get to interact a lot with other parents and, and moms specifically, I do see there is a lot of hope. I think a lot of people are beginning to understand why we want to make better choices and what our choices may like what kind of impact we might be leaving so on some days i'm not so hopeful on other days i'm very hopeful yesterday i was very hopeful we had a a sample sale or a warehouse sale you would call it where i took things like inspected returns and resold those at a at a very like 70 percent off at a big discount but just so that they wouldn't go to landfill. So for example, a lot of the companies, especially in the baby space, but a lot of big box stores, take all of their returns and then landfill them because it costs more to have someone accept those returns, process them, inspect them, reshelve them, whatnot. Than just throwing them in a dumpster and getting a tax break for that as well. And we've seen a lot of that in Toronto in the last couple of years. People have stumbled across dumpsters full of perfectly good merchandise that has been snipped in half or or cut in half uh, in order to protect the brand. And there's all of these reasons that these stores say that they're doing this or burning clothes, for example. So we've made it a big part of our story to accept. Returns, especially if the return is only coming in because, like, there's damaged packaging or a slight nick in the side of something. And then I unbox them, review them, sterilize them if necessary, and let everyone know that that's what they are potentially purchasing. But we diverted boxes and boxes worth of perfectly good goods from landfill yesterday. So, yesterday I was very hopeful because the messaging resonated and. And a lot of these parents were happy to take advantage. So if you didn't do that, what was the risk? Oh,
1: if you're not doing what you're doing, oh, what's the risk for your children? What kind of world they might you might leave to your children?
0: I have been concerned about this kind of stuff basically since I was a child. I remember telling my mother I wanted to get like reusable lunch bags and reusable lunch containers. you know I'm talking about. So this would have been probably the early nineties or late eighties. And I was telling my mom, I don't want all of the things in the ocean. Mom, I don't, my mom's like, how do you even know about this stuff? I have no idea. Um, So I've been mindful of what we are doing to our planet pretty much my whole life. I don't want my daughter to be living in a world where climate change is a huge issue, where we're basically swimming in plastics, which is a huge problem. I don't want her to have to deal with all of the ramifications that might come with these things. Like I'm, I'm very worried for the the little kids of the future. I don't want them to have to clean up the mess that we made, especially since we all know better now at this point, we know, what the impact of our choices are. We have a lot of evidence pointing to climate change being a really big problem and and how it affects people in parts of the world that maybe are a little bit removed from ours. I just want to do better for the kids. I really do. You work
1: in the baby space and we all want to give the best to our children and to our babies to start with. And so how is your work, what you're doing connected to this vision. Well, what do you do and
0: how you do it? Yeah, for sure. So how we kind of got on this road of choosing more environmentally friendly or sustainable products, our criteria also extends to multi-purposeness, for example, products that are not wasteful. So it's a little bit past just eco-friendly or sustainable materials However, I got interested in this before I had my child, but it definitely grew after I had her. So, when I was in my previous life, or when I was in my career before, my husband had already owned this business and it was a different business. We kind of refounded it together. But we would go, for example, to these baby trade shows all over the world. And we would wander through aisle after aisle. And we're talking huge, huge, huge halls full of products. And just the repetition and the wastefulness. I was that little seven-year-old girl that was begging her mother for <laughs> reusable lunch bag was, was screaming inside.
1: <laughs>
0: just really useless products that really a parent does not need to buy or things that are just excessive or lots of plastic where plastic doesn't need to happen, et cetera. And it really threw me for a loop. It really was very overwhelming. I'm kind of like a minimalist at heart in the best of times, but seeing the enormousness of the waste in the baby space was very overwhelming. And so when I joined the business afterwards, I told my husband, like, we're not doing this anymore. And actually it's funny, but the first thing that we did when we rebuilt the company and we picked up all new products, the first products that we went for were actually cloth diapers. So cloth diapers aren't as popular as they were then, which wasn't that long ago. This would have been seven years ago. So, but the cycle of products just up and down, up and down. So seven years ago, cloth diapers were gaining a lot of popularity. And I mean, cloth diapers are extraordinarily helpful. If the average baby goes through something like 7,000 diapers in their lifespan or something like that, it's thousands. And you instead buy, you know, two dozen cloth diapers, like it is a significant help. Like you are diverting a ton of waste from landfill. The last couple of years, parents have been given these options that are supposed to be greener or more eco-friendly. Whether they are or not is up for debate, but parents are now thinking that they're making better choices by buying these other diapers, which are disposable. So now we've kind of gone in that direction and cloth diapers aren't as popular anymore. But we started there because... That was something that definitely you could see was a really big problem. Like diapers Mm -hmm. is a really big problem. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Not to mention the chemicals and whatnot, also for baby's skin. Like a lot of babies have reaction to those chemicals. So it's kind of twofold. It's environmental and then it's also health benefits. So we started with cloth diapers. And then over the years as it's gone on, we've kind of focused more and more on my theory of multi-purposeness and usefulness and practicality. And if you can repurpose something or pass it along, which has been incredibly helpful and people are resonating with it. But yeah, we started with cloth diapers because that world was alarming when I got into it. And I was just, oh, I just needed to try my best to make a change.
1: Sound a little bit difficult for you because you're in the wholesale business. so you have to sell those products to the shops, to the retailers. and but the story you're telling them is, well, you can sell it to your own clients and then they will buy less. So how do you do it?
0: Yeah, this is a problem. So there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack with this question. So yes, our messaging kind of always has to be twofold for everything. First of all, I kind of see myself, at least my position in the business, as almost a curator. So I'm going around finding these goods, putting them through our criteria, making sure that they're tested, safe, useful, practical, whatnot. The benefit for the retailer is that, first of all, with messaging that we've contributed to, but not just us, like overall messaging and parents are becoming wiser and seeking out these alternatives. So that's great. And we continue to message to the public about the features and the benefits and why it's good for these purposes. But for the retailers, first of all, they're starting to see the parents come in and ask for these goods. So that helps. Secondly, they're usually at a premium price point. So it might be easy for them to sell, say, 10 little plastic bowls for 50 cents a piece and then now my alternative that I'm giving them retails for $30, yeah, it's a leap. But when they are starting to see that their customers are coming in and being more conscious and demanding those goods, okay, they might you know move forward. And we try to give them good margins and, and whatnot as well so that it makes sense for them. And we try to do all of those kind of things to make the retailer happy. But it has a lot to do with the customer demand that's now coming in. Which is great. And yes, there are premium products. So they do sell for higher prices. However, part of my messaging is always the cost per use. Like when you're talking to your customer in the end and you tell them, you know, they can buy this, but it's likely going to break and likely have to be tossed. Or you can buy this and it'll make it through your two years of feeding your little one. Or pass it to your friend or the next child. And a lot of the retailers... Not all of them, but I've seen this more and more, are getting into that reselling business. So there are a lot of those kind of shops, especially in Toronto, popping up. So retail stores will actually purchase those goods after the two years back from the end consumer and then do a resale business. So that's also happening more and more here, which is really encouraging. So it's a balance. We have to have different messaging and we have to make sure that everything, the safety, the pricing, everything Works for both the end consumer and the retailer. Yes. Okay. Your husband literally begged you
1: to enter the business and you, <laughs> your condition was, okay, we need to be more conscious about what we're doing and what we're living on this planet. Yes. We're living up behind us on this planet. So that's a kind of breakthrough, but there's also another breakthrough, which is digital as well because coming from a digital background so can you you know share a little bit of details of what happened and how how
0: how it happened it's an interesting story to be honest with you so I was working before as a digital art director I was working here in Canada for Food Network Canada at the time and I was let go in a round of layoffs on a Monday morning and then my going away party with my staff was on Wednesday and I wasn't feeling so great. And then Saturday, you know, five days after being laid off after, you know, seven years at my dream job, uh, my husband and I went and found out that we were pregnant with Mm. my first child. So it was quite a shock. I almost had a mini crisis, to be honest with you. I was going for interviews and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next with my life. And people were saying like, oh, 60 hour work weeks and photo shoots from helicopters and I have, you know, first trimester nausea. And I was like, I don't know if I can step back into the world that I'm used to right now, right? Like pregnant. I I don't know if I can do this. And part of my mini crisis was calling a good friend of mine. And I said to him, I was like, I don't know what to do. My husband, Joey's my husband, Joey just wants me to join the business. He said, just join the business and work with me. And I can't do that. I'm like a minimalist at heart. We live in a loft. I don't want to sell stuff. I've never in my life ever wanted to sell stuff. This is why I went into a service-based business or like, (laughs) this is why I went in this direction in the first place. My friend Aaron had this huge talk with me and he said, among other things, but he said, listen, you cannot take on changing millions of people's worldview. That is a huge undertaking to convince everybody in this world to not buy as much stuff or care about what they're buying or whatever that fits in with what's in your heart. That's going to be a tremendous undertaking. But what you could do is join the family business and use that almost. So you could just provide people a better choice that fits in with your criteria. Why wouldn't you just do that? And kind of this light bulb went off in my head. And I said, Right. I could choose what we sell. Wait, I thought maybe I could make an impact. And so I went back to my husband and I said, listen, I will join this business, but we are changing everything. <laughs> and I think at that point, he knew that things needed to change. He was struggling. He had founded the business with his sister a decade earlier. She had just left because she had four kids and he was doing this on his own. And it was, he was struggling And so I think he knew that something needed to change and that this was an opportunity, but we basically knocked that business down. I mean, we kept our physical location and we kept a number of our clients, a number of our retail partners, but otherwise we scrapped everything. We got rid of all of the brands we were carrying. We came up with a completely new formula. We changed the name of the company. We changed the logo. Wow and then we went into the digital space so we took a business that had been running on basically he had a website i think that had a logo on it and then you'd like click to download a spreadsheet or something <laughs> to order like it was mind boggling terrible 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 like i'm like certified user experience i'm like screaming when i see his his um his methods so we went and got a like an online ordering system and i set that up along with like an inventory management and client resources system. Uh, we set up an online store. We made a new website. We started doing digital catalogs instead of sending out catalogs. Uh, uh, in our industry a lot, you send out a paper catalog, you send out paper spreadsheets and line sheets and ordering materials. And I digitized everything. It took some time and, and I did all of that while I was pregnant with my daughter And it was very worth it. Yeah. And it seems to me that seven
1: years ago, what you did was quite visionary at that time.
0: Oh, in some cases, it still is in our industry. Oh, yes. It still is. Yes.
1: Yes, it is. But the COVID pandemic showed that was a very smart move that you did, that you anticipated the whole, I mean, you didn't anticipate the crisis, but you did the smart choice at that time.
0: Yeah. We decided to utilize technology better. And I said, you know, a lot of people who are wholesalers or whatnot as well employ sales reps. And those sales reps then spend their time driving around regions, which also I find kind of wasteful. Like we go once once a year or so, we'll go and hit a couple stores that we really, really love, you know. Especially if we're on our way to somewhere, we'll stop in. But it's not a part of our business at all. I prefer to do things digitally. so we offer we offered Skype before and now we offer Zoom and FaceTime demos where I'll walk retailers through whatever products. We have very nice shelving at the warehouse with everything behind us, and I can just grab things down and show them. And there was a lot of resistance. I'm not gonna lie, especially seven years ago. Yes.
1: And how did you deal with the resistance?
0: <laughs> uh, push through. Pushed through. I kept reminding everyone like, this is so much easier. We can just do this. We don't all have to fly from Canada, which is a huge country geographically. It takes for me to get to the other side of the country. It's like a five hour flight. It's a huge country. And a lot of the time in our industry specifically, but I think in a lot of industries as well, we would have these trade shows and they'd be in like Las Vegas. So people from all across Canada are flying to meet up in Las Vegas and we're all bringing massive quantities of goods, physical goods. Like it's just the wastefulness. It's just mind boggling. So there was a lot of resistance, but happily, I mean, COVID has been atrocious But I'm very happy that these things have become more normal now because of these times. Yes. And so people that would have never even, like, we have some retail partners that won't even pre-COVID were resistant to even order online. Mm. They still wanted to, like, fax in a paper order form. Fax. Right. Yes. But... Because of COVID and because they're, you know, maybe Zooming their grandkids on their birthday or whatever, (laughs) they've opened up their minds to this technology, which has been really rewarding because we had it all set up in place beforehand and we were ready to go. And I think specifically the last couple of months, people have been very receptive. I've been doing these Zoom demos Mm. and- It's great for everyone. It's 20 minutes out of your day and from the comfort of your home, if you prefer. We don't have to fly anywhere. You're not leaving your family. So we really pushed digital this year. And I don't know if we will do a physical trade show again.
1: Well, we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But if I have anything to say with it, to it, um, we won't do it again. Mm -hmm. So I'm hopeful.
1: It seems that your friend, Erin, Yeah, Erin, Yeah, was right when he said that you cannot change everything, but from where you are, you can change how people behave, how people buy because you're a wholesaler. And so could you explain a little bit what a wholesaler
0: does? Yeah. So there's different levels of service that you get with a wholesaler, but I'll tell you what we do. So our entire business model really is that we source goods from around the world. We do a lot in the United States just because it's easy to find those, but we source goods from around the world. So we create partnerships with brands from other countries, and then we import their goods. We deal with any things like Canadian compliance issues that might come up. So every country would have different regulations on safety and packaging and messaging and labels and all that kind of stuff. Every country is different, but we deal with those things. And then we take those goods and we store them in our warehouse. So we have warehouse facility, and then we sell those goods to retailers and then ship those to the retail outlets across Canada. And then we also have an online store Particularly because Canada is so large geographically, there might be Canadians in far-flung regions that don't have access to a small baby store or boutique in their area. And so we have an online store so that we can be sure that everybody can get our goods no matter where they are in Canada, even if they don't have a retailer nearby. And then we use that online store a lot to test messaging, marketing, products. Mm. So we don't have to order a massive container of something, bring it here and realize that it won't fit with the market. We will get a small amount and test them on our online store. So that's another way we try to keep waste down. But yeah, wholesalers basically... So in our case, Canadian, we are where your goods live. We are your Canadian customer service, even to the end user. And we are your liaison between the retailers and the brand, but in Canada, which helps for a ton of reasons, even sometimes as far as language and time zone. Yeah. Hmm. And how do you select the brands? So traditionally... um, People used to find brands at these trade shows. Yes. So you would go to Germany is a really big one.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, There's one in Shanghai and there is Las Vegas. And those are the only ones we would ever go to. And you would go to these shows and book meetings and try to find the new hot brands. But we haven't done that in years. We haven't done that in six, seven years. I'm trying to think of our existing lineup. I think two of them found us or so and reached out to us. And then the rest of them I found on Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram or Google searches, just random Google searches. Wow. Hmm. Um I do a lot of internet super sleuthing (laughs) when I'm looking for new products, but we've found the majority of our brands just online. And then sometimes, you know, one of our brands uh, will have met another brand somewhere and they try to make the connection or someone who owns a brand is a huge fan of one of the brands we already work with. So they'll ask for a connection, but more so than not, I have been partnering with people that I found on the internet. So, the brand, the products of a brand have to be tested. The products have
1: to be multipurpose and last long. And,
0: uh, yep. So, we do thoughtfully designed is number one. Mm -hmm. That is my number one criteria. And we just check off the boxes to see how far we go down, right? So, thoughtfully designed, responsibly manufactured, third party tested, safe. Okay. Useful, practical, multipurpose. Recyclable materials or otherwise sustainable materials. And then a couple I'm not going to tell you (laughs) because it's our top secrets. But that is basically the criteria that we start with. Is this thoughtfully designed? You know, I have really tried to steer away from the copycats and the knockoffs. We've had huge problems with counterfeits, huge problems with counterfeiting in the last couple of years, particularly with Amazon and these other channels, Mama, Wish, all of these are selling counterfeits. The issue with counterfeit materials and baby products is astonishing because a lot of the counterfeiters are using things like lead still in coloring. And that comes up quite a bit, uh, particularly in things that are like silicone and baby feeding products. It's astonishing and was really hurting my heart for a while like it was it was really really hard so we went for third party safety testing which i mean a lot of it we have a, an amount of regulations for safety that we have to pass but then we go for a little bit extra we want to make sure that the products are really safe and then we want to make sure that they're thoughtfully designed because that is my number one thing so we try to go for the the pioneers the innovators the originals So they're not the knockoffs. They're not the second brand to do it. We try to partner with the original. A lot of the time too, that is resonating with at least Canadian consumers. They want the original, which is great for us. But you see this, the copycat's, that come out. And a lot of the time they're rushing that copycat. So there is like issues in manufacturing because it takes years to do something. But a lot of the, the knockoffs and the copycats are just rushing to get second to market and try to steal some of that market share. So we try to go with the originals as well. That's another thing that we do and it's worked out really well for us. But that's harder to find innovators. Like it's more difficult to scour the internet and find the innovator than it is to find the copycat that has a much larger budget. Because this is what they do for a living, and their products everywhere.
1: Do you ever have like products that you're looking for the perfect products, but you cannot find it? So maybe it could give some ideas to people that are entrepreneurs and want to create a business or a company in that space.
0: Yeah, my husband and I were talking about this yesterday, and I and I was like, hmm, "What is the next big innovative idea?" People always ask me this. They say. Oh, well, if you find the new big idea, would you try to do it? Like, would you become a manufacturer? And I really don't want to do that. It's not a business. It's a whole nother business. And I see what our partners go through. It's a lot of work and it takes, again, takes years and takes a lot out of you potentially, just like in terms of, of um, energy. So... Spoiler alert, I couldn't think of anything yesterday. I was like, I don't know what I don't know what the next thing is. But in terms of trends, I can give you some idea in trends. And some of these are probably influenced by COVID, right? Our lives have changed. Parents have been home with their kids in our case for a year now. Yes, no school, no school. So, the multi-purpose Toys, for example, have been selling incredibly well. So, toys that you can use for one thing and then flip them over, and they're open ended, is what we call it in our space open ended play. So, they may be like blocks, wooden blocks that can be this or this, or the product that we carry is the wobble board. So the wobble board can be a rocking board that you can rock on for physical exercise, but you can also climb under it. So it's like a little fort, or it can be used as a little bridge, or you can turn it on its side and you can stand on it as a little boost. Like these kind of products, the trend is just going up and up and up. So the things that can be repurposed and reused, like in a second, it doesn't need to be reconfigured. You just like flip it over and it's something else that has been really huge. Um, In terms of market saturation, I think that things like organic baby care, like lotions and washes and stuff, we get dozens of emails about those in a month. So that is definitely an oversaturated area. But parents, particularly in Canada, are definitely seeking out better materials. The creating things from Recycled plastic bottles, for example, like that trend is gaining momentum. So better materials is definitely gaining momentum as is multi-purpose goods. And then yes, personal care is a little bit saturated. Um, Clothing I wouldn't break into right now at this moment. Again, ebbs and flows, but baby clothes and kids clothes, I wouldn't break into right now. Um, But you, every once in a while- there's some beautiful Canadian made uh, rain jackets and rain pants that I am completely in love with the brand and they came out of nowhere. So there's always a chance, but definitely look for better materials, thoughtful materials, responsible manufacturing and multi-purpose toys and, and goods for the home. I think that's where that's where the trend is, is going. How would you define success for your business? So a lot of the time, if you join these entrepreneurship groups or whatever, everyone is just celebrating, you know, how many dollars in the end, right? Yes. I'm a seven-figure business. I'm an eight-figure business. I did 5 million last year. And we have Canadian publications, for example, that will list, I'm sure they do this in every country, but they list the businesses in terms of their revenue, right? And it's just not a good way to actually measure something, right? Yes. Because there's so many variables in there that make no sense. So our business financially is doing very well, but also we are very, very scrappy and very, very lean, which is wonderful because I had an old boss of mine years ago that said I was trying to make change, you know, what I do. (laughs) within my organization. And he said to me, you know, we're an ocean liner. Hmm. It's hard to turn an ocean liner around. If you really want to make change, you want to be on a speedboat. Hmm. So this business, we are a speedboat. We are, my husband and I are the day-to-day. My mother works for us. We have two other employees and then his mother is involved as well. We are a speedboat. We are lean and small. We try to keep our overhead down as much as possible. So we have the ability to change things and make change. And as a creative person, that also makes me feel successful because I've been able to pivot and change and make progress in areas that I would have otherwise not had the ability to do. And that makes me feel fulfilled. So I feel successful in that way. And then, yes, in terms of overhead and stuff, like our business isn't huge, but we don't have 20 employees. So it's great in terms of that. And then just seeing something Like living through COVID times, I feel like we've been very successful. We've been able to take our daughter into the office every day. She's learning things like (laughs) packing, packing (laughs) unboxing experiences. Uh, She's making videos. She's practicing her writing on thank you cards that we pop in orders. And just to see her grow over this year makes me feel very successful as a parent Mm. because She has learned so much and practical application from being in a business environment like this. It's been great. And, you know, we've got to give our employees raises. We've made sure that they live a comfortable life. We like to be together. So I feel like we're very successful. We're at where we want to be. I wouldn't want to just, you know grow, grow, grow so fast and try to get that number to get in that publication and then uh, have everything that comes with that. So yeah, we, we feel like we're making a positive impact on the world. We're supporting these brands that most of them are women run and women owned. And we get to live by, you know, like our values that are in our hearts and we get to do things every day that moves the needle in that direction. So yeah, I think we're very successful.
1: Wonderful. And I think that when you say that you are very lean, that makes you very resilient as well to bounce back. Yeah.
0: Yes. I know we talked about this offline, but so I can't remember now, I guess it's two and a half years ago or almost two and a half years ago, my husband had a stroke and being that small of a business that we are essentially a handful of people, it was very challenging. Um, For personal reasons, obviously, but in terms of business, it was very challenging. I had not been as involved in some of the things that I should have been involved in before his stroke so that when he was, you know, incapacitated and could not manage the business, it was hard for me to jump in and try to figure out how to keep everything afloat. And since then, I've become a lot more involved in all of those areas to try to really know what's going on in the day to day in order to buffer if anything like that ever happened again. Like if we ever lost uh, an employee for whatever reason, for any amount of time. And the lessons that we learned from that, I mean, still it's difficult every day. Like these things take years and years and years to get over. And it's only been two and a half years, but physically he's very well and we're all back at work and we're back living our lives for the most part. But in terms of resilience, like that just, made us feel almost unstoppable now that we've made it through something like that in terms of a family, of course, but in terms of a small family business, like the business did not suffer. We had to shut down for a couple of weeks. We had our employees step up. Like you wouldn't believe one of our employees came into the hospital with his laptop and was like trying to figure things out with me. Like, I don't know what we would do without her. But in terms of resilience, like we are scrappy, we are self-funded. We went through something like this, like we are super resilient. And and now COVID, we've made it through this. So we're in a good spot.
1: Yeah, you sound that you're unstoppable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. So what's the new project? What's next for hip mummers? That's a really good question. I know what I'm going for next, but I I don't have anything confirmed new on the way. I will say that the newest product there, the newest brand that we did partner with is probably Gather. It's an American company and they make these bonded leather and bonded vegan leather and suede mats that are super multi-purpose. They're so interesting you can take it with you to the beach, you can lie it on the floor under baby's high chair or for craft time, you can put it on the table in front of you as a tablecloth, you can change babe on it, like just super easy to clean, super multi-purpose, beautiful, beautiful like leather and vegan leather mats and then they've expanded a bit into other home goods. That's the one we've been working on for the last little while. Um and it's been very well received and it's going well and then our largest brand which I now kind of call our flagship because they were the brand that we really really relaunched the new business with they were our like our big push is called easy peasy and they make uh, developmentally appropriate silicone mostly feeding wear for babies and Mm -hmm. kids but the differentiator is that Uh, Lindsay, the owner of EZPZ, actually hired a full-time SLP, so a speech-language pathologist feeding therapist on staff to help design the product. So I know. So usually with baby feeding products, they say, oh, we need a fork. So they're just like, oh, there's a fork. And they design Mm -hmm. a fork and they ship it. Lindsay's team is so thoughtful. So they get all these professionals, to say how developmentally appropriate is this, why everything's actually appropriately sized, like tons of research, tons of design, all of that stuff, uh, and then really high quality materials, and then it's responsibly manufactured. And so they have just been expanding. So when we started with them in 2015, we launched one product that had four colors, like four SKUs. And then now, like we have... Most of our warehouse is easy peasy at this point. Mm. They've been expanding, expanding, expanding. So this year we have quite a few new products coming from them and they are going more into the home goods space as well. So we are coming from just baby and toddler where they started and going into other things for your home. So easy peasy is going to continue to just be huge for us in the next year. And you've also launched a podcast. Yes, Yes. So hopefully by the time this airs, yeah, we'll have at least the trailer up. So if you could subscribe, I would love it. But the podcast is going to be about this stuff and it's called Cost of Goods Sold and it's exploring not accounting like you might think. It is exploring the costs associated with putting a product to market. So that is environmental costs, the costs on the planet and the people around us, but also on entrepreneur, like lifestyle, mental health, our families, and all of those things that you might not think about when you have a great idea and you want to put a product to market. So I'm really excited. I'm going to be talking to a lot of really interesting people that I've met through the last seven years of doing this. And I'm really excited to get that messaging out so that people that want to make better choices in purchasing can, of course, but also people that are exploring a small business or have a small business and want to make more sustainable choices, have a little bit of resources to do so.
1: That's going to be wonderful. So where can people find you? Maybe not the podcast, because it might not have been launched yet, but um, the Hip mummies, where can they find Hip mummies, connect with you?
0: Yes. So cost of goods sold will be on all of the platforms associated with podcasting. Hit Mummies is everywhere you can think of. Not Clubhouse yet, but we're working on it. Uh, <laughs> and we are at Hip Mummies. So on Pinterest, we are at Hip Mummies. On Instagram, we are at Hip Mummies. Facebook, at Hip Mummies or hipmummies.ca if you want to see what we do to support Canadian retail or brands. And then if you want to shop with us and you happen to be in Canada, you can visit us on shop.hitmummies.ca.
1: Wonderful. I put all that in the show notes. And so
0: thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye.
1: What a great conversation. I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I did. This conversation was recorded in February but I'm only releasing it today because this week, Jennifer is launching her podcast, The Cost of Goods Sold, that we talked about. I've listened to a few episodes and I absolutely loved it. So if you want to understand why the product that makes a difference are made, check out The Cost of Goods Sold, where we normally get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Did you like this episode? If you've enjoyed listening to Better Business Founder, why don't you share this podcast with a friend that could also benefit from these conversations? You can also subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts and leave a review to help other people find these conversations. And if you have any questions or suggestions, you can email me at hello at betterbusinessfounder.com. Hello at betterbusinessfounder.com. And I would love to hear from you because I believe that your business is the catalyst to create the change you want to see in the world.